Okay, on the news and why. Uh, the 2020 debate coming up tonight, the matchups, oh, still, I, I, I'm not sure if I can handle it's going to be awesome. All of this. Mm -hmm. You're going to love it. That was a really good sell. Awesome, I swear. Uh, also, uh, Trump's comments on Baltimore and also Nancy Pelosi uh, in Ghana and the dangers of illegal immigration. We got a big show tonight. Let's get it started right now. All right, before we get into the show, uh, I want to thank our sponsor, iTarget Pro. So for you shooters out there, and I know there are a lot of you, iTarget Pro, if you don't have it, you got to get it. You got to use it. It pays for itself because what it does is it actually goes into whatever caliber gun you own and you get a laser bullet. And how cool is that just in itself to be able to say, I have a laser bullet? Right? That is and a cool thing. That's cool in Very itself. Cool. But what it's actually doing is it's helping you practice dry firing. And uh, for those of you shooters out there, you know that dry firing, that's the way that you're really going to get skilled. That's the way that you're really going to learn how to use your gun. You learn what the pull feels like. I know when I got my little baby 380 that everyone makes fun of because it's like a, a baby gun. Uh, it was the pull. Every time I pulled it, it's surprisingly a long pull. And you're not going to be able to get used to it. You know, you could go to a range, but dry firing is so important. And again, you go to a range, you could spend a ton on range fees, you can spend a ton on ammunition, or you can just go to iTarget Pro and order, and you get to keep reusing that laser bullet. It's not like, you know, regular bullets where you just have to keep mm. paying for it. Uh, you can go to iTargetPro.com right now. Get 10% off plus free shipping with promo code NEWS. That is iTargetPro.com. Uh, added benefit, you're not just, like, making holes in your walls with your bullets. Every time I see that commercial... I want Jason Buttrell to come help me learn how to dry fire. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get you an iTarget Pro. Uh, we do. We exactly. really need to get you one. Uh, and also Jason Buttrell mm -hmm. at your service. Uh, all right, Stu, I know your top story is the 2020 debate, which I... Thank you. I, well, I do feel like I have a little bit of sales to go here on the why it matters part <laughs> yeah. of this particular program today. But so let me give you this. Um, two weeks before the greatest day in human history, Super Bowl 52, uh, when the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles defeated the New England Patriots, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles defeated the Minnesota Vikings, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, another fantastic day in human history. I can't wait to hear that. Um, however, mm -hmm. uh, at that same day, uh, I, there was an AFC championship game. Okay, and I really wanted to see who the Eagles were going to play. Obviously, the Patriots won that game, but that was still really important. Like you want to, you want to know what they're doing. They want to know how they're doing it. You want to make sure you have the whole picture here. So this is essentially the other conferences' uh, championship <laughs> game, right? And this is actually like it's a little earlier than that. We're like in the first round of the playoffs, or maybe the preseason. Uh, there's a lot of people who wouldn't make it out of the preseason in this particular field. However, we do have ten of them on stage tonight. Um, if you happen to watch uh, Glenn's show, I filled in for Glenn. Uh, we did. We went through all 25 candidates in a 25-candidate power ranking from 25 all the way to number one. Um, and uh, we do this thing where we have it's, we take 40 categories of the health of a campaign from polling and you know fundraising and endorsements and all that crap. And we crunch, do all the number crunching and come out with a score from zero to 100. So if you want to see that, you can watch it on uh, if you're a subscriber at blazetv.com. Or you could go uh, at glenbeck.com. You can kind of see the text version. Bottom line is you got 10 candidates tonight going at it. There are a couple of interesting storylines, I think, that when you, when you go through this. First of all, I'll give you one that's probably not all that interesting, but Steve Bullock will be making his debut. Now, you Ooh. may... Yes, thank you very much. Uh, governor... Something. Yes, governor. Talk about a dry fire. <laughs> He's the governor of Montana. I mean, you know... 
It's interesting in that, like, it's probably the only time he's going to be on the stage. He's at 0% or 1% in the polls. Um, he is a, a red state governor. He's been a two-term red state governor, uh, won a state that Trump won handily. Uh, so there's an argument on paper that he actually could do something here, but you figure he's you know, too moderate and has no, no real profile, probably will not. Outside of that, you got Bernie and and, uh, and Elizabeth Warren next to each other, the two socialists in this on the same stage, which will be moderately interesting. Supposedly, they have a, a little truce where they're not going to be going after each other. Mm-hmm. Now, it just shows what a, you know that Bernie is not very good strategically because this definitely helps Elizabeth Warren more than it helps Bernie Sanders. Uh, you know, people are trying to still find out who Elizabeth Warren is. The fact that she's going to have to deal with another socialist trying to pull her even further to the left is only going to help Elizabeth Warren. Um, you have, uh, and the fact that she's, I hear, two one thousandth twenty-four. Oh, really? American. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Could have been fake news. It could that should help her. Yeah. She went to the bathroom and came her. back, and she was back to the original oh, statistics. Man. Yeah. Uh, you have Bob uh, Bob Frank O'Rourke. I know a favorite of, of Sarah. Oh yeah. You love the Bob Frank. Can I just ask? Hold on, really quickly. Yeah. Why does it look like he's a, he has a high school yearbook photo? <laughs> it for is. His picture? It does look like that. Wait, what is this picture? Uh, I don't. Under, I don't know. It's terrible. I don't know. There's a, some very strange pictures. What is Tim Ryan doing? It looks like he's surprised <laughs> by something. To your point, they're trying to make him look like a Kennedy. That's what they want him yeah. to look like. They want him to look like a young Kennedy there, mm-hmm. and that's what's going on with the hair and the teeth and the whole thing. That's yep. the look. <laughs> uh, look, Bob Frank really needs something good to happen. It's been a lot of bad uh, for, for for Robert Francis recently, uh, so he really needs to actually accomplish something here. Um, how does he do that? Well, he can try to show himself to the right of Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, which are only a couple of the two people he actually is to the right of, but that's not going to work with the no. debate audience. I mean, he is in serious, serious trouble. Um, I'll give you a couple more here. Buttigieg has a chance. He's, he's, the, he's in the second tier, right? He's not on that top uh, rung. He's also not down with these people at one and two percent he's he's got really good fundraising he's about five or six percent in most of these polls but he can't that's not going to get him a nomination he needs to do something um he needs to distinguish himself somehow from this field uh so he's got some work to do i'll give you one a couple more john delaney uh who is in the uh, top middle here he's supposed to be the moderate of this field and i find this to be fascinating this is a man uh, who is the moderate in the field okay this is the guy who's the conservative of the of the of the left uh, this guy introduced a $4 trillion global warming package. $4 trillion. Just $4 trillion. Just the $4 trillion. Wow. And this week uh, introduced a new mandatory service program in which every single person graduating high school at 18 years old would then have to go and give a year of their life one to two years to the federal government to do things like the climate core in which you'd go around the country and install solar panels. I swear this is the moderate in the campaign. Think about that for a second. Unbelievable. This is a guy who, this is the guy that got booed on stage for saying socialism wasn't the winning philosophy. Um, And that guy (laughs) is like way more left than anyone I've ever heard before. Mm. Uh, And finally, I'll give you um, uh, Marianne Williamson, which is going to be the entertainment. We all love Marianne. Sarah's yes. actual favorite, yes. Marianne. I love who her. He's going to say something odd about love, and it's going to be really awkward. Love is going to win. It's going to be like, you know, like when, it's going to be like you're in high school and you're going in for a kiss and the girl doesn't want to do it. That's how I always feel when I'm watching. Uh, I feel like her part of the debate is when it breaks into the musical portion of the <laughs> yeah, movie. Yeah, yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like all of a sudden they break out into song and these were the days of our lives. <laughs> yes. The Perfect. thing about these debates and the reason they matter and the reason they're important is because... 
At this level of a debate game, a good debate can't make your campaign, but it can break your campaign. Mm -hmm. So somebody, if you're polling two, three, four percent, one of these, uh, and even lower than that in some of these cases, you have got to come out and make a statement in this thing because you have Bernie Sanders and you have Elizabeth Warren. They're leading this pack, and they have to come out and do something. So they can kind of play it safe mm -hmm. because if they come out and do something asinine, then it's going to be problematic for their campaigns. Now, me personally, if I'm Bernie Sanders... I wouldn't play it safe with anybody because no. he already had the DNC nomination stolen or bought, yep. I should say, out from under him in 2016. So I would go for the jugular. I would go. I would. I would do one of these. It would be one of these. Um, Who would you try to take out? I'd, Elizabeth Warren. I'd kill you with mm -hmm. kindness. I'd be like the the old uh, in Papua New Guinea. What they would do is they would make friends with you, and then when you thought you were safe, they would cut your throat and eat you. And that's what I would do. <laughs> I would say, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna have a great time, Elizabeth. Here's what's gonna happen. So I'm gonna do this, and you're gonna do that, and then do that. And then I'd be like, this bitch. And I, that would, <laughs> that's what I would do. I would cut her throat. But I love Delaney's plan of, you know, basically socialism <laughs> slash Mormonism. You're now, you know, you're indentured to the state anyway. Uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> we saw Bernie do any of that on the debate stage tonight. He should, that would be right. he should go after I'd vote for him. Yeah. I'm like, I just became a socialist. I wouldn't, but... He's got to figure out a way. He's got to figure out a way to do something. I mean, yeah. Elizabeth is passing him. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got to stop her rise. And if he just sits there and, like, is Bernie as Bernie always is, it's not going to help him. And, and I'll say, like, you, may, you make a great point there on, on what these debates can actually accomplish. Mm -hmm. Because, like, there was a big uh, back and forth between Castro and O'Rourke last time. It's a lot easier to take out a campaign than it is to make one. Right. Castro had a really good moment in that campaign, took out Beto, you could argue, mm -hmm. but it did almost nothing for him. Raised mm -hmm. a little bit of money. Money, but he's still at one percent. It's hard to make noise, and, and there's a there's an air of desperation. It's like uh, you know, Amy Klobuchar is like one of these candidates that you have to worry about this with, yeah. right? Like, there's got to be an instinct in her to saying like, I, nothing's happening. I got to do something big. I got to do something big, and just come out with a crazy proposal, go after a crazy attack, and hope to make some viral video. But if she's smart, she hangs back and has a really good shot at being like a Biden VP choice. So that's got to wrestle with you. Like, do I go for it here and try to and risk making an idiot of myself? Or do I hang back and say, all right, well, hopefully Joe wins and he picks me. It's probably her best path to the White House. And that's when I think at this point you see this huge lack of self-awareness. Like, how far can I go with this? Yeah. You, because you got to know you're, where you're trending and where you're polling. You're not going to be. This. So if you're standing on a chair and somebody's standing on the floor, it's far easier for them to pull you down than it is for you to pull them up. And that's the way these debates go. Yeah. David, are you going to be watching? Yeah, because I'm always looking for content. I mean, constantly <laughs> oh, that is a that treasure can, trove uh, of content there. It's, it's always something. They never cease. I mean, the first one, the first, second, both of them, they never, never cease to to amaze me at how much they'll, they're willing to outdo the other people and the crowd. Mm -hmm. The fact that the crowd will cheer and clap for some of the stuff that they say. It's like we want to be able to give... You know, transgenders, the ability to have an abortion and pay for it. It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Well, I, and people it, are clapping for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. What is the, where's the headspace and these people that are listening to these yeah, you individuals? Can learn a lot, I think, too, about, you know, how this stuff happens. I mean, in, in uh, Tim Alberta's new book, uh, American Carnage, he reports that uh, for the South Carolina debate in 2016, the GOP stacked the audience with pro-Rubio people so that Trump would get booed and Rubio would get cheered. 
Uh, no. I mean, you, the, the parties do stuff like this. This is not this is not our imagination. And if you know, if they find something that they don't like going on, they will go in there and, and play. You know, they'll they'll play with the uh, the edges a little bit to see if they can get the result that they want. We saw that with Bernie last time. We saw it against Trump uh, in 2016, and it very well could happen again, especially if someone like a Bernie Sanders were to catch fire, mm-hmm. which I do not expect to happen. You know, I'd love to see. I'd love to see. Some individuals like us, especially with you, you brother, walk into a Democrat, Democrat <laughs> national could debate with the Trump hat and the shirts on, and see if we really don't get jeered. See how much. Out, see how much tolerance. Salted. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. See sure. the tolerance. I'll go if you'll go. I'll go. Because I ain't going by myself. I'll go. We should do that. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's pick one. Done deal. You heard it right now. I'd walk through West Baltimore with you. News and Why It Matters gets the exclusive on that then. Yes. All right. All right. Okay. All right. More to come when we come back. It's our it's our property, right? It was done on the show. It was negotiated right here. Uh, I know we covered yesterday the all of the the media reaction to Trump's comments about uh, what he said about Baltimore, mm-hmm. but uh, there's some more going on with that. Well, it's a little minor story that I find interesting, and I always find the lives of, in, of politicians interesting and the decisions they choose to make. And as I mentioned in the last segment, the lack of self awareness that people have whenever they get above accountability and feel untouchable. It's almost like they can do and say anything, and people are just supposed to go with it. But those days are gone. These days in politics, especially Washington, D.C. politics, the, the, the bar has been broken, so to speak. It's, it's a free-for-all. The, the old, let's just do the status quo, is gone. You, you can't do that anymore. There are so many critical eyes on you with every decision you make and everything you do and every word you say through social media, mainstream media, and just the court of public opinion. Uh, it's interesting. People, apparently, in the swamp aren't aware of this fact. So, if my house were on fire and I was on vacation... And you called me and said, your house is on fire. I would get a flight and I would come back home Mm -hmm. to check on what's going on at home, right? Mm -hmm. So what we've discovered is that our Congress people, specifically Elijah Cummings, Nancy Pelosi, um, Ilhan Omar, to name a few, they're out doing their Democratic getaway and having their retreat so they can discuss all the things that Democrats need to discuss so that they can lead our country more effectively heading into 2020. They went to Italy. They stayed in a five-star hotel. They mm. ate lavishly fine cuisine and all these things. Well, today they found themselves in the nation of Ghana, which is in West Africa. I've been to Ghana many, many times. And here you can see some pictures of Speaker Pelosi, who is talking to the president of Ghana and also visiting with the ambassador. So she had an interesting tweet this morning where she said, today our delegation held high level meetings with president at N.A. Kuvo Ado and U.S. Ambassador Sullivan to reaffirm our commitment to the ties that bind our nations, freedom, democracy, justice, and security. We also heard powerful stories of men and women transforming communities across Ghana. Now, I am sure that the people of 
Central California and San Francisco would love to hear stories of people transforming those communities. Mm. I'm sure the people of West Baltimore and people in Maryland would love to hear about those communities being transformed. You can see there the, the Honorable Representative Elijah Cummins standing there looking like a wasp bit him on the face. And uh, sorry, I went into Bill Cosby voice there. I'm giving it to Bill Cosby. You got to. And so anyway, his house is on fire. And he's in Ghana talking about how they're binding these nations and how they have these transforming stories from people from Ghana. What's going on at home? What's going on in the United States? Wow. Tell me what you're doing for your constituency and the people who elected you. You are literally, roads are falling in in Baltimore because of rodent infestation. $1.8 billion given from Obama in his administration, and they never once call the Orkin man. It's amazing to me. What are they doing? They're taking that money, they're putting it into pension funds for, for government workers, teachers, all of these things. We, we're, we're going pension poor in all of these different cities, and I'm telling you, you can go 20, 25 miles, 30 miles out of any big city, and you'll find yourself in a red state, right? That's a fact. These people do not want to live in these inner cities. Nancy Pelosi, transform your community. Elijah Cummings, transform your community. All of the rest of them, I could name it, the same goes with them. Transform your communities. Yeah. Still, um, I think that probably the issue is that, Chad, your point is they need to be paying attention to transforming their own communities. But the media has helped these leaders uh, purport that they don't need to transform the communities because it's like going to a five-star resort when you enter the city of Baltimore. <laughs> it's true. It is. Right? It's perfect already. Why yeah. would you need to transform anything? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I don't... Um, First of all, does anybody believe they care about Ghana at all? Yeah. I mean, they're going, no. they want to go on a trip. Oh, right? They yeah. all go on a little a trip and they're going on vacation. They're, yeah. they're shopping in Ghana. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, it is a free trip that we're paying yeah. for. No on one gives We all know Nancy Pelosi doesn't care. Like, they don't care. They're going on a, a vacation, but that's besides the point. Um, seeing the results of their work when they try to transform things, I'd rather have them focusing on Ghana. <laughs> yeah, uh, please don't apply any of your policies to any of our cities. You've done that yeah. for a long time. Um, in fact, the reason why Baltimore is the way it is is because they've been applying their solutions a little bit too well. often uh, to uh, to America. But you're totally right, though. I mean, they, there's not even an attempt to act like they, you know, they care and are focusing on. Well, the again, reasons. it's old school politics. We've always done this why can't we do it now because the game's changed yeah. the rules change we're looking at you we're watching you we see this mm -hmm. you can't you can't hide west baltimore anymore we well, see the pictures and we have a president yeah. that's actually putting it on blast and putting mm -hmm. it on notice instead of trying to act like he's going to acknowledge something and then allow the 1.8 billion dollars that obama sends to baltimore to be dispersed and not do anything to actually help the inner city the communities the neighborhoods yeah you know, it's it, it's exactly do, right yeah, and to both of your do. points a week ago just like ghana and to the point about the president a week ago no one was talking about west baltimore exactly. mm -hmm. they were still in the same squalor mm -hmm. still impoverished still i did a meme this morning put it on instagram i took the course a little AOC and I pulled her out crying oh, at the border great. and I put her on the street there in West Baltimore and I said, someone tell me when this happens, yeah. right? Here's the thing. I'm being prophetic right now. Watch me. Mark my word. The black community is in trouble because they've already been bought. Their voices have been taken. They're on the plantation. The left is not worrying about them anymore. They're worrying about illegals coming into the country. It is a matter of a decade before Hispanics that have entered the country illegal have now replaced the black community in their communities. And they will not only be without a voice, they'll be without everything.
David. It's all going to be taken from them. No, I agree. I mean, if if this was something that uh, Obama had said and tried to shine a spotlight on Baltimore, on Chicago, on Memphis, on Los Angeles, on any of these cities that are high in crime, high in murder rates. I mean, we the, we have the first black president, half black, whatever. We have the first president of pigment that identifies as an African-American in the White House. And what does he do for the black community? Mm-hmm. I agree with you, Chad. I think the black community, I hope they wake up before they realize that their vote, their vote and their voice is meaningless because they continue to support Democrats who are catering to illegals in order to replace the black vote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really hope they wake up before it's too late. Yeah. Do you think not even, not just the black community, but do you think Americans as a whole are buying what the politicians like Pelosi and you know uh, Cummings are selling, uh, that all of a sudden they're fine and they don't need to help their communities? I mean, do you think that the, the average American looks at this and says, Okay, I trust them. I believe them. Well, the the average American, I hope, I believe there's a lot more. I get a lot of messages from Instagram, from Facebook. I get a lot of messages from people that say, I woke up. I used to be one of them. I used to believe the mainstream media. Uh, from all backgrounds, blacks, whites, Hispanics, I get a lot of hate as well. And that, that lets us know, lets me know that we still got a lot to fight for. There's still a lot of, of road to go. But I think there's a lot more people than we understand that are waking up mm. to the propaganda, the lies, mm-hmm. and to the fact that the mainstream media is trying to cover it all up and actually talking good about, to have that guy on CNN we play, to have him trying to talk about Baltimore, I mean, it, it like it's a, something good and it's it's a great community. Anything other than the truth, mm-hmm. I mean, now it's it's nothing but clip after clip from people that are asking people in Baltimore, and there I've seen even just this morning, people lifelong, 40s, 50s, 60 years old, been in Baltimore, 70 years, talk about what it used to be like how it's gone downhill, uh, how it's, it is everything that Donald Trump is saying it is. And that's the real people. That's what, that's what the real people are saying. So I hope the people are waking up, and I hope there's a lot more than we, than we see. Because we're not going to see it on the mainstream media. They're not going to show and talk about that. Yeah. It'll show up in the voting polls. Stu, last word, what do you think? Uh, one thing I just think is separate a little bit from this conversation, but very important and amazing, is the fact that Donald Trump completely runs all of these companies. He runs every single one of these media organizations. Every single, t- I mean, yeah. look, I don't, does Donald Trump, you know, Donald, was Donald Trump really uh, like about to tweet about Baltimore if he didn't get in a fight with Cummings? Probably not. Right. But he got in a fight with Cummings. He tweeted about Baltimore. Now everyone's talking about Baltimore. And it's like, I, I think most of the time, like, I, like in this particular instance, I think it's good, right? Like we should Absolutely. have focus yeah. on these communities. Sometimes his fights are, I don't necessarily think as productive, uh, but <laughs> like, it's a good co- idea that we sit here and actually think about these things. But like, Imagine you're CNN. You're a multi-billion. You're part of a multi-billion-dollar corporation, and like it's your entire job is wait for this guy to click send on a tweet, and then you just change your entire day of programming. It is fascinating what he has accomplished. But he's a genius in that he because at four in the morning, sitting on the yeah. toilet, he tweets out, changes the news cycle, controls yeah. the entire Beautiful. news cycle with with his puppet strings. It yeah. is incredible, yep. and they yeah. all. You'd think they'd be like, you know what? We're not doing that today. We're going to talk about global warming. This Nancy crazy chick. Oh, crazy Elijah. I love it. More when we come back. Fascinating. I mean, he's just like he might as well be in the control room. No, just it's incredible. All right, don't forget we still have much more to come in overtime. 
And uh, you can find Mr. Stubergear on the Glenn Beck Radio Program. You're filling in for Glenn all week. Yes, uh, me, uh, Pat and I for the rest of the week, and we're gonna I'm on Monday solo. We've got, he's a, he, Glenn's out for two weeks, so yes. we've got lots of time. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Glenn. And on TV all See week ya. this week. Yes, and he's mm-hmm. filling in for Glenn TV as well. Mr. Chad Prather, you can catch on the uh, not the Glenn Beck show. I never get asked. I mean, it's ridiculous. Any time, and then David Harris, who has been on the Glenn Beck show. Yes, I just have to say, David J. Harris Jr. David J. Harris Jr. on Facebook and Facebook. Well, if they can search for you, DavidHarrisJr.com is my website. Get my book. You'll love it. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. David, uh, I know you brought to the table another story of the dangers of uh, illegal immigration. I don't know um, how many times I've had to report on it on my own show uh, this year. It's, it's got to be pushing close to 100. I have to go back and look, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that's just, that's just what we're reporting on. But it just doesn't seem to, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking for me every time. I've got two daughters. I've got a 21-year-old and a 23-year-old daughter. And every time I hear about somebody that's either um, been a victim of an illegal alien to the tune of rape or any kind of violence or murder, I mean, I think of my own kids. Mm-hmm. I think of my daughters. And it just, it's not stopping. And yet we've got every single Democrat candidate is pushing for less border patrol or getting rid of ICE or just opening the borders up uh, and then catering to, I mean, putting, putting all the incentives that a person would want to try to get into our country in front of them, health care, uh, you know, food, mm-hmm. uh, housing, and then talking about giving them driver's license. They're literally rela- rolling out the red carpet and putting every incentive possible aside of a million dollars, which to them it is a million dollars. To any illegal that can just walk in our country, it'd be like an American winning a jackpot for a million dollars. For them to be able to get into the United States, the land of opportunity, and have an, and have an open and even playing field and in sanctuary states, mm-hmm have the opportunity to get away with murder, literally. And they see this. It's so, it's so disgusting and it's so heartbreaking. And this was just the latest one. The 49-year-old had been arrested, had been kicked out of the country, uh, arrested, detained, released on $300 bail, actually, uh, a bond, um, uh, for, for whatever he did the first time. Illegal not kicked out of the country, um, and then goes and rapes a 16-year-old in Alabama. Mm. Not even close to the border. Mm-hmm. It's like, do Americans understand that these illegals aren't staying close to the border? They're moving their way up. Alabama's closer. I've seen it in, in North Carolina. We've seen it in states all over the country. But uh, it's just, and yet the Democrats continue. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing tonight how many of them, again, are taking the side of illegals. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's something that I hope America's paying attention. I hope the black community's paying attention. Martin Luther King Jr. was not for illegal immigration. He knew that they were gonna take jobs away from minorities. He knew there was gonna be a strain on the economy and a strain on, on minority communities and, and lower end communities. And yet here we've got all the Democrats pushing forward and black Americans that seem to be okay with it. And it's just, it's, it's like, when is enough enough? 
Yeah. What would you say to uh, the people who, because I hear this a lot, they say, well, Americans are committing rape too. Well, there's sure there's crime and there's bad stuff that happens in our country Mm -hmm. that we need to focus on in other ways. But that doesn't mean open up the door to anybody else that wants to come add to that problem. Mm-hmm. It's like they're two different problems. We can't just say, oh, well, they're, they're not illegal because they're human. Yeah, they're human, but we've got a sovereignty here as a country. And if we're going to be a country of laws, it actually means our country has value and is a, is a value to those that were privileged to be born here and be U.S. citizens. Then we can't take that for granted. We can't just give it away to everybody else. So that's a completely separate issue. But... It doesn't mean you roll the red carpet out to everybody that wants to come. They already have a legal way to get into this country. There's already a way for them to do that. All we're hoping and, sugge- is, and suggesting is that they follow the law mm-hmm. and that our elected politicians also want them to follow the law. Yeah. People have got to wake up to the fact that these are not racial issues. These are cultural issues. So if, if, if uh, Ilhan Omar or one of her counterparts who grows up in Somalia, they're going to grow up hearing anti-Semitic rhetoric. They're going to grow up hearing that. It's going to be normalized for them. They don't know any other way to think about the Jews. They, it's, and these different cultures have these different ways of thinking about things. And so you have to interpret people in light of the culture in which they live. I've spent a lot of time in Central America, every country down there, South America. I've spent a lot of time in Mexico. I've been in the poorest of the poorest of villages. I've helped bury babies, bury children that were waiting for medical assistance in these villages. It's it's horrible conditions. I have stood on the back of the truck trying to administer medicines and and, and guidance and stuff like that and have many people walk up, men walk up with with pistols in their belt, with machetes in their hand. At one point in time, Honduras was the leading nation in the world in terms of homicide rates. People were dying with machetes. I I knew men who would come in and and they'd they'd walk into the, the, we'd stay at a a Catholic convent at, at times. And uh, they had these bunkhouses there, and they wouldn't have arms. Well, what happened to their arm? Well, they got into an altercation with somebody who said they stole something. Somebody walked up to them with a machete and hacked them. This was, this was that type of justice. You go and you do what you want to do. Now, here we live in our first world enclave of America thinking, well, the rest of the world is just like us. No, the hell it is not. <laughs> no. It is we are going to take what we want I'm not saying there's not intelligent people coming from the South. I'm not saying there are everybody's barbaric, but it does exist, and it exists on a larger scale than what you think because that is the culture from which they come. If you want to keep throwing these doors open, you're going to see more and more of these stories like this. And to one of yours, you know, look, I've got three daughters, two of which are in two different universities in the Deep South states. I won't say which one, but they're over there. I think about these things all the time because I know, you know, here's a situation that happened in Alabama of all places. This wasn't McAllen, Texas. This was Alabama. This was Baldwin County, Alabama. It's a sad, sad deal. And people are like, oh, well, that was just one. Be careful what culture you invite into your own without regard for the results. Look, no one wants violent crime to happen. Uh, If you have an opportunity to avoid importing more of it, you do that, right? I mean, you know, I think if you think about it, that point that you made is, is made so much, you know, and, and, yeah. I, and it's, it's a frustrating one to me in that, like, think about it this way. If, if you, you're, you're living at home and your teenage daughter steals your wallet uh, or steals money out of your wallet, that's really going to piss you off. Like, you're not going to be happy about that. Now think about you're out and someone breaks into your house that you don't know and steals your wallet. 
you're handling that situation completely differently, yeah. right? Like we we're stuck with the people that are citizens, right? right? Like yeah. they're our family. Like we're the, you think about it that way, they're our family. <laughs> we're here with them. A lot of them suck. Yeah. Yeah. My mother used to say, "I love you, but I ain't gotta like you." <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you can't choose your family, your mom. Yeah. <laughs> you can't choose your family. So you're stuck with the nonsense that they do. But you're not stuck with the nonsense from you know. You can pick your friends, mm-hmm. you know, and we should be able to do that in this country. I mean, we, we you know you see this. We're going to see this on the debate stage, I'm sure tonight, and that they're talking about uh, free health care for illegal immigrants. And last time they did this, they asked the question. All ten candidates on stage put their hands up as they as if they supported it. This is something only supported by 26 percent of the American people. Less than half of Democrats support that. And this see, this field is so far left, and they think about this thing, I think, in a completely different way. That's almost proof to me that the Democrats know that they feel like they've got the black vote mm-hmm. and that they'll get it this this coming election. If t- only twenty, why would every single candidate support something that only twenty six twenty six percent of the people support? Yeah. Can I ask Total a question? Total disregard. Can right, I ask a question that's serious want? but tongue in cheek at the same time? <laughs> like. Why would they get on stage and they butcher the Spanish language and they're going to try to debate? <laughs> what would happen if they decided to start debating in Ebonics? Oh, like, oh, I'm going oh, straight yeah. with you, boo. Yeah, like, like, what would was, happen with I was that? I waiting for Elizabeth Warren to come out with an afro on me. <laughs> but Bernie I mean, Sanders with a gold tooth But seriously, limp. Tell me the difference. I mean, down to the nuts and bolts. Tell me the difference. I mean, you know, you look. You can. You can. You can. They wanted to teach ebonics on the university campus as another mm-hmm. language. So, what do we want to do here? I, anyway, I'm tired. I'm tired of it, Jesus. It's ridiculous. In the, wor- in the words Literally. of James Brown, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. <laughs> uh, it's good. So, good. Nick Sandman. I know we all remember Nick Sandman. He was the uh, the young kid from Covington. Ah, Covington. Yeah. Who, yes, yes. Uh, you know, the Washington Post, uh, you know, ran the yeah. partial the video lawsuit. of him with right. the Native American banging mm-hmm. the drum in his face, and um, he had his lawsuit. Mm-hmm. for defamation. Uh, the judge dismissed mm-hmm. his lawsuit for defamation against the Washington Post uh, for their egregious uh, reporting. And the judge that overs- oversaw the case said that the stories about Sandman needed to be more than annoying, offensive, or embarrassing in order to rise to, to the level of defamation. Stu. Uh, I mean, I'm probably not going to be the popular uh, opinion here, but I mean, it, you know, the, the media has a really wide berth when it comes to uh, their reporting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the First Amendment allows for it. Uh, you know, if you go back and look at some of the founding documents, they were talking about legitimately, even if they were on record making things up in, with the intent to hurt the person they were reporting on, they still should have the freedom of speech in these arrangements, which is a really freedom wide Freedom of speech, but but with no consequences? Well, you sh- yeah, they should. I mean, you should be protected. Again. It should be freedom of the press would really be mm-hmm. where, where it's covered. They're able to do these things. I mean, their argument here, and look, I, I have massive sympathy for Sandman, and I think he was totally screwed by the Post. Their argument is essentially, though, that, like, look, this guy came up and told it to us, and we reported it. And it's like, well, if anything, it's on this guy. You know, it's mm-hmm. on this Native American guy who who mischaracterized it. And then, you know, because because he could be liable for lying. Right. And they said, well, that's how he he saw it. And so they but really even do. They, even yeah. after they saw the entire video, even after the mm-hmm. entire video was posted, I did they come back and retract? I don't recall them coming back and retracting I, I their previous. I think they did add some qualifiers eventually. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good line, too. Like, I mean, you know, it is. Look. 
we're a media organization. Right. Like a lot of people say that we say things that are false. I don't like the idea that that can be, you know, opened up to a position where because you know every freaking liberal is going to come on here and sue us every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there should be, I think, pretty pretty strict um, restrictions. This one, I, to me, really did come up to the line. I mean, they were bla- they blatantly yeah. did this to a child. Yeah. Um, you know, so I really feel passionately about how wrong, how much they wronged him. Mm. When it comes to the the government and the, and the court system getting involved with the press, though, I think we have to have a really light touch. I mean, we got to be really careful on that one because that thing can spin out of control really fast. Yeah. Chad, did you think that this rose to the level of defamation? Uh, well, yes, yes, I did. I, and because I felt like once you were you're staring in the blinders like this, they kept pushing that narrative that yeah. was this narrow. And then once it opened up, then you look at it and you're like, okay, that wasn't the story at all. Well, they should have come back with as much force yeah. showing the bigger story yes. because you're talking about a a kid yeah. here. You're not just talking about a citizen, but let's let's go even deeper in the weeds. You're talking about a kid here. Life. I mean, anything could have happened. I mean, what if this kid had been killed? I mean, right. you know, right. you put your life. So, two hundred fifty million dollars worth. Uh-huh. I don't know about all that. Right. But that's that's getting a little strong. And I do. I agree with you, Stu. I think that you have to have. Like today, we were on the podcast. We were talking about John Travolta being gay. I don't know if John Travolta's <laughs> gay, and I don't want John Travolta to sue me. But like, it was a fun conversation, and it was great. I don't think anybody's going to believe that I think John Travolta's right. gay, although he is. And I'm just still, <laughs> like, you know. But you see where I'm going. I love being able just to banter well, and should talk. Be but this was. It wasn't banter. Wasn't this. No, no, this yeah. wasn't banter. Yeah, David, do you Big feel difference. like do you feel like in this day and age where you know your life could be severely altered and you could be blacklisted? from future careers, things of that nature, if you get, you know, some big news story that comes out about you, uh, especially wearing a red hat these days, do you feel like it rose to the level of defamation and then it's going to affect his, you know, his life? It's more than an embarrassment? I'm glad something didn't happen to him, like mm-hmm. Chad said. I'm glad that uh, he, he was bold enough, courageous enough, strong enough to take the heat mm-hmm. and not do something to himself um, again, there's a lot of variables in there. Quarter, uh, a quarter billion dollars. I, I don't know, you know, where they get that number from. But I think, if anything, the 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 main the, the people hopefully are seeing what the mainstream media is doing. Mm-hmm. I always try to come back and say, okay, what are people seeing with all this? It's like, sure, here's the conversation. You know, he loses the suit, but it's it's brought into the open the fact that the Washington Post blatantly only showed a piece and a clip about this kid to paint a narrative. Yeah. Hopefully, Americans are saying, well, who else are they doing that about? Mm. Yeah. They're constantly doing it about Trump. They're constantly mm-hmm. doing it about Trump supporters. They're constantly doing it about a lot of people. They're always pushing one narrative. So I really think that it just, it just, if the good silver lining in it is that Americans are realizing that, hey, this is what these news stations, these news publications are doing, mm-hmm. then hopefully they'll pay more attention. And Well, not to be a rain cloud, but what worries me is that because this was dismissed and because mm. a lot of people didn't see the actual footage because they don't belong on Twitter and it wasn't being reported by mainstream media, that a lot of Americans will see that and say, see, CNN what was right, what, Washington Post was right. What, what court was it? What judge was it? Uh, be a it does why you look that up. It does open that door up. It does, actually. For, yeah. Absolutely right. For a broader view uh, or purview of, I love the word purview after the Mueller thing. Yeah, it's, it's not my, my new favorite <laughs> word. It's yeah. not in my purview, but it opens up a larger purview when it comes to what the media can do in, yeah. in expressing opinions. I'll say, too, there's a lighter, there's a lighter standard um, for when it comes to um, public figures. This is not a public figure we're right. talking about. This is 
as a kid. Yeah. Um, and their reporting was egregious. I, it was it was really bad. Um, and so I, I, you know, if if they would have won, there would have been a big part of me that wanted to cheer really loudly because right. I mean I think he really was wronged. Absolutely. It's just it's just when it comes down to the precedent that it sets. You know, when it, we have a we do have a First Amendment right, freedom of the press. It is a really I mean it is a constitutionally guaranteed right. It mm-hmm. does not mean that they that every time that they do something wrong. Um, you know, we can crack. You know, the government shouldn't really be able to crack down on them on, on, in almost every case. It's just a matter of does it rise to a really egregious, mm-hmm. um, mal, uh, you know, bad intent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think you could make the case, and they did make the case, uh, but you know, the judge decided no. I, I, I would rather err most of the time on the side of not doing that because yeah. it's you know it is a it's a slippery slope, um, and it is one of those things that I mean think of just think about the way we're treated on Facebook. Think about the way that just put, put your mind up, instead of Facebook having the power, put it as the federal government having this power, mm-hmm. where they can say you know what you're a liar and you're a liar and you're a liar and you're getting sued and you're getting sued. That is, you know, those things start coming through. There will be an entire industry. We've seen it with copyrights. We've seen it with, mm. with, uh, with material. Where, you know, we've been sued how many millions of times because people, they get, you know, well, well, you saw this picture you put up on the website seven years ago, and, and now we bought the rights to it, and you shouldn't have it on your site, and we're suing you. People abuse these things all the time. So we just got to be really careful with it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yesterday's poll, which 2020 Dem are you watching the second debates this week for? Of course, 61%. <laughs> My girl, Marianne <laughs> Williamson, 61%. Thank you, everyone out there who voted for her. Uh, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. She comes out rhyming in the night, I'm like... I got this. You're in. 20% said Joe Biden. 13% said Kamala. And 6% said Elizabeth Warren. You want to be in the Elizabeth Warren slot there. You want to be the person that no one has any expectations over. It's a nice, she can sit back and do nothing and continue to rise in the polls. It's not a bad place to be. That's a great point. Uh, Today's poll, who will be the big winner after tonight's (laughs) debate? This is, okay, I like these options here. Sanders, Warren, uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke or President Trump? <laughs> I think we know so who's going to win that one. Huh? Yeah. yeah. What, okay. All so day. I think we all Don John. are going to to Hard say to see Trump losing this one. Right. Donald Trump is our answer. But what do you think? What do you think the percentage is going to be for oh, Donald Trump? Gosh, we're going to be ninety four. Ninety four percent. Donald Trump wins. What do you think? Maybe don't hurt me. Yeah, I'll do seventy five percent. Okay. Seventy five. I'll bring it down. Eighty nine percent. Eighty nine. Okay. Yeah. All right. He'll win it with a tweet. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. Boom. Everybody, get your popcorn ready. Get your drinking games ready. Stu, you'll be live tweeting? I will be, yes. Are you live tweeting? Please. Uh, No. I'm going to be live drinking. Okay. Stu is live tweeting at World of Stu. Chad is live drinking. At Watch Chad. I will be live drinking, and I will have my opinions at Watch Chad on Twitter. I will say that nothing ever has gone wrong when you drink and tweet at the same time. Everything's fine. (laughs) So give it a shot. Just when I tweet my best. (laughs) David? You're going to be, be live tweeting? I, I will be live tweeting it. Oh, David nice. Harris Jr. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I, I guess I will be. Nice. For us, for us. Oh, fine. I'll Boom. do it. Oh, yeah. I'll do it. I'm in. You got to let me in. have some whiskey, though. Yeah, fine. No problem. Okay. This is melted ice at this point. <laughs> right. Let us know what you think at The Blaze's Twitter. That is at The Blaze. We'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> I can't believe that Kamala Harris, like that, that tweet that she did what yesterday or this morning about Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.